We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. We're reviewing week 12, looking forward to week 13 and helping you to manage your fantasy teams on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at RotoViz. This is RotoViz Radio brought to you by my bookie. I'm joined by Matthew Friedman, editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. How was Thanksgiving, Matt? Uh it was good. Uh lots of pie and uh that's you know, we put up the Christmas tree. So yeah, uh watched Elf as the Christmas tree was going up. That's kind of our tradition. Uh so yeah, good all around holiday. How was yours? Oh, it was pretty good. Thanks. Um, I actually was thinking about you as uh, we had eight leftover pies after Thanksgiving, many of which <laughs> went untouched because my mother-in-law was really uh, making the word or spreading the word about her pies that she brought. And for whatever reason, everybody else decided to bring some too. So now I have eight pies in my fridge that I have to find some way to consume by the time that they uh, go bad. Um, what What kinds of pies are these? There's a pumpkin pie. Uh, there is blueberry, cherry, 
Um, we have a little bit left over of pecan pie, which was absolutely incredible, as well as a little bit of a sea salt caramel apple crisp pie, which was one of the most incredible things I've ever tasted. And then um, there's a couple others that, to be honest, I don't even know what they are. You know how um, like George gets aroused when he's eating the mango? <laughs> Like yeah, that's that's moves. what's happening right now. You're just talking to me about pie and I'm I'm starting to get excited. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, before that continues too long, um let's just get right into the action uh from over the weekend. Uh I guess first though, what did you think of the the slate of Thanksgiving games? I didn't get to watch them as much as I would have liked. I did see a pretty good portion of the Saints and Falcons game, but it seemed like your Cowboys might have been in what was an interesting contest. Yeah, um, you know, amazingly, I guess it's not all that amazing, but, uh, you know, the favorites won in all of the games. So uh, big, big day for public betters there. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was a, a decent slate. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I think Detroit should have done better than they did. You know, the, the pick six at the end kind of changed things. Um, I don't really trust the Cowboys all that much, and the Saints just look awesome. Um, yes. It's like circling back. So it's I'm not sure exactly if it's I I uh, won the battle but lost the war or if you know I I won the war but lost the battle or whatever it is I think you're going to end up being right on the it was 600 the number for Drew Brees of pass yeah. attempts yep. I think you're going to end up being right on that uh, I think I'm going to end up being right in that like the, for me the spirit of that was like Brees is still going to be highly functional as a fantasy quarterback. You know, and so like it's this weird, you know, like so I think you will probably be right that he will be under 600 pass attempts. But like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I think the I idea know, I know like, exactly if, you, if you knew that Breeze was going to throw fewer than 600 pass attempts, you would assume that he wouldn't have a fan. Not a, you wouldn't assume that he wouldn't be fantasy wise a Bible, but you would assume that he wouldn't be doing what he's doing right now. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think that I was right only on that particular input but the overall projection which is where the whole conversation derived from where i was i have to imagine i was too low on breeze especially when you consider just how useful of a player he's been this season i I mean i think out of all quarterbacks it'd be hard to make a case that there are more than maybe three passers that you would rather have had this season yeah. And, and like in a holistic sense, like I think he's the MVP right now. Like he I mean, from a Vegas perspective, he's like the clear MVP front runner. But I think like realistically, he is the MVP of the season. And that's not to take anything away from Mahomes, who's been awesome in Kansas City. But, um, you know, it just it feels like this is this is the Breeze MVP season. It's it, it's hard to argue with that, especially if he takes this team um to the number one seed, which I believe is still in play for them, right? Um, yeah, I mean they're they're the front runner for it, and yeah. that they they beat LA uh, and they have the same records. Yeah, so I mean I can definitely see how this would all line up for the season for Breeze, and maybe just maybe we'll get to see another Drew Breeze effort in the Super Bowl. They're the little Lebowski urban achievers. All right, Matt, Josh Allen. 26.3 points for the Bills facing Jacksonville. Uh, I highlight this because Allen, I think, has now had a couple of performances that have proven he is a player that could be more viable as a fantasy option than we gave him credit coming into the season. Having mentioned that, I don't really feel like talking about Allen, but I want to talk. 
<laughs> I want to talk about the quarterback on the opposite side of the field. It looks like the Jaguars are finally going to concede that they made a huge mistake, really blundered last offseason, signing Blake Bortles to that long extension. Thoughts on if Bortles returns to the lineup for this team this year and absent of him returning, how Cody Kessler impacts the entire offense, particularly the receiving core. Yeah, it's interesting. Let's just talk a, a little bit briefly about Josh Allen. Okay. Um, still, I think, uh, pretty close to trash as a quarterback. Um, but he did have like the very viable 99 rushing yards, which is hilarious. I think he had at one point like over 100, and then I think he had a couple of kneel downs at the end of right. the game to cost him the, <laughs> the rushing bonus, which is just hilarious. But uh, anyway, yeah, still, I mean, yeah, fantasy viable um, in the in the sense that Blake Bortles has been fantasy viable for a number of years, exactly. but not actually a good quarterback, which yeah brings us to Bortles. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't think he's going to get another shot this season. Like I think they, they have closed the book on the Bortles era. Like at this point, I think it's seven losses in a row. Um, he's clearly not been uh, any viable part of the solution. Even last year when things were going well for the team, they were looking to minimize his impact. Um Cody Kessler is interesting in that like he was very efficient uh, in his rookie season. And that was, you know, in a Hugh Jackson shackled offensive system. So he might have some potential, um, but it's really hard to know because um, they don't really run an offensive system that is conducive to a lot of production from the quarterback position. And Kessler hasn't really been a... Um, like a strong runner in the past. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that. I need to look that up, but um, I don't remember him being a Me strong either. runner and, and like in Hackett, like the offensive coordinator, like he's gone. So we really just kind of don't know what to expect, but I mean, I, I'm basically expecting this team to be dead. So like, I think if you're in a two quarterback league and you really need a quarterback, then yeah, like you, you go get Cody Kessler. Um, or <laughs> I mean, actually, I don't know if you do, cause there are other people available. Other quarterbacks available probably, but um, I mean, he's, you know, if you're in a two quarterback league, you, you might play him just because you sort of have to, but I don't think he's going to be the future. Uh, I think they will end up probably drafting a quarterback this year. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think in terms of the players that are in that offense now with how bad Bortles has been, I don't really think that there's going to be that much of a difference with Kessler in there now, perhaps. He favors a couple of players, but that's really hard to speculate. But I don't think that there's really been, um, you know, too much interest in playing any of those receivers there. Um, so, yeah, you know, Jacksonville, just a lot of interesting decisions that this team has made over the last couple of seasons that are definitely going to be catching up with them soon. Austin Eckler. 26.3 fantasy points yesterday, saw 11 targets, 68 receiving yards, one touchdown on the ground, also had just five attempts. But the key thing here is it's looking like Melvin Gordon could be out next week, and there's a potential for weeks after that. In my opinion, this makes Eckler maybe a RB1 on a weekly basis. I'm going to be looking at him as the type of player that could very easily replace maybe 85-90% of the production that we saw from Melvin Gordon so far this season. Yeah, um, he's always had a lot of potential as the kind of the new age Danny Woodhead. 
Um, it's just a question of how much they want to give Justin Jackson as like, I'm assuming now the number two back in that offense. Um, when we saw them really try to give Austin Eckler the full-time work in the London game, uh, which Melvin Gordon missed, he didn't really have that good of a game. Now that's just, you know, it's a one game sample. So who knows, but you know, there, there could be some hesitation on the part of uh, the Chargers really to give Eckler like the full rushing workload. Um, but I think he is going to get a lot of the receiving workload uh, for the backfield. And that is significant because they really do funnel a lot of targets uh, to the backs. So it is a good situation for him. And even if he sees like, uh, you know, like seven to 12 carries per game, like that's significant when you take into account the target share that he's going to have. Yeah. So definitely he is going to be a player that could produce tremendously for you in those weeks. That's Gordon, that Gordon is out. So hopefully, uh, you did do the opposite of what would what I would tell you to do preseason and handcuff Gordon. Sure. Uh, although I suppose to Eckler was the type of player that he could have had standalone value. Moving yeah. uh, to receivers now, I'm going to mention this name, but he's not going to be the urban overachiever of the week. But I do think we have to bring up Amari Cooper, eight of nine targets on Thanksgiving, 180 yards, two touchdowns. Very, very impressive performance. In three sentences, describe to me if this can continue, Matt. um yeah it can continue um well not that type of production but the production that he's had overall in dallas that can continue the targets eight targets per game you know uh around like 80 ish receiving yards per game you know half a touchdown ish per game that can totally continue because uh they will have to throw the ball based on the upcoming schedule that they have and he is clearly the best receiver they have on their team. I agree on all accounts. And I knew going into that, that there is no way that would be held to three sentences. That Dave, was, uh, I would say that was three sentences. They were just sort of strung together and run. <laughs> that was really like one sentence. <laughs> it was as succinct, I think, as you're going to get from Matthew Friedman. David Moore, 20 points, uh, four wrecks on five targets, did get a touchdown, 103 yards. Listen, you told us about him. Weeks back, this is your chance to take it and run with it and to let us all know how right you were. I mean, I don't really need to do that. That's that, that's you just did it for me. <laughs> um, I mean, but it's it's it, he's getting this production in an offense that is, you know, one of the most run heavy schemes in the league. So it's not as if it's something that you can really depend on, um, you know, uh, three or three and four weeks ago. He had 16 yard games like back to back 16 yard games. So you can't you can't really depend on him. Um but he is an upside player and uh you know like this coming week playing against San Francisco like he he has two games against San Francisco in the next 3 weeks. Like great matchups. So he is someone who is intriguing if you are kind of looking for an upside guy. Did you see his one-handed touchdown? I did see that. And that they, was did, insane. they didn't even call pass interference on it, which was just unreal. Um, but yeah, he's, I think he's a really talented guy. Um, and it's just his second season. Like he went to a really small college. He's coming into his own. I would expect him to be even better next year. Yeah. I mean, it's looking like he definitely was a player that we should have put on to 
are dynasty teams and it's looking like he very realistically is the best player that they have on the offensive side of the ball other than Russell Wilson uh, as I, I am not really sold on any of those running backs yet. Um, yeah. Tyler Lockett, he's good though. He's legit. He's not as good as he, as he was before the injury, which was like yeah. just a devastating injury, but he's still like, he's still good. He's still getting his touchdowns. Okay. All right, I'll accept that. Uh, before we get into the George Costanza Slackers of the Week, I just want to mention how confusing David Njoku is. Rebounds with 17 points this week. Um, you know, he's not helping my teams. I finally decided to sit him, started Austin Hooper over him, and then he bounces back with this performance. Yeah. It's it's hard to know what to do with him. Like, I, you know, long long term, he has he has potential, but it's been a frustrating season for people who have him. It has been a very, very frustrating season. Now, is he on your father-in-law's team? <laughs> you would think so, but he actually is not. He is not. Okay. Um, oh yeah, which no, you, by, you wish you wish he were on your father-in-law's team. Yeah, I do. Um, he uh, uh, was over here the other day, and he said that he wanted to write into the into Rotoviz, letting them know that I'm a fraud and that I'm actually terrible. At not only fantasy football, but doing his pick'em pool, which I had been doing great with in the beginning, and am now really, really lacking. Uh, so I'm just going to get on here. I'm just going to say it for him. I am a fraud. I am terrible at fantasy football, and I have mismanaged this team to no end. No, that's it's just a sample size of one, so it's fine. Yes, exactly. That's what I've been trying to explain uh, to deaf ears, if you will. Listen, let me ask you a question. Could you? Uh expand the space underneath the desk, you know, give it a little more uh, headroom. So Duke Johnson, let's bring him up. It was looking like things were really going to turn around for him. We are seeing great success for Nick Chubb. Uh, the target distribution in Cleveland has been a little bit interesting. Only five points, though, uh, over the weekend in a win against Cincinnati and his target share pretty low at just let me make sure that's right, actually, as I'm looking at this. I want to say it's just two targets. Yeah, just two targets. Just two targets. So it's been it's been up and down. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, whether he... So, kind of regardless of the number of targets... Well, I mean, this isn't totally true, but... Um, you, you look two weeks ago, he had, you know, like, 31 yards as a receiver, 15 yards as a rusher. You know, last week, 23 receiving, 16 running, like... He's he's not likely to get a lot of yardage regardless. You're just basically hoping for one of those uh, game script informed games where he uh, gets a lot of targets and maybe finds the end zone. And like, I don't know. So he's a good player. He's probably the best receiving back in the league. He was just he got game scripted out of that contest against Cincinnati where Cleveland was so in control of the game that they didn't need to have him on the field. So, you know, he just got screwed. Yes. Um, that, that, that will happen. And I think that if I'm a Johnson owner, like I'm not going to read too much into that one game. I'm probably still going to drop him out in my lineups. Um, as we've seen Baker Mayfield be really, really solid the last uh, four, I believe, four, maybe even five games. And I think that we will see in in the right spots Duke performing well. We've talked about Golden Tape before, but I think that we now really have enough data to rule that this move to Philadelphia is really not working out for him. If we look back since he has been 
Um, in Philadelphia, I believe we're looking at a total of just 3.9 points against Dallas, nine points against New Orleans, seven points against the Giants, and really does not feel like the, like the type of player that you can put out there, even with eight targets in the last two games and really expect substantial production. Where are you with Tate? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really bad situation. If you have him, I don't think you can start him at this point. Um, side note. Duke Johnson, what do you think his first name is? Ooh. Um, well, he's Duke Johnson Jr. I'm assuming it'd be I, – I, I don't know. Is this a trick question? Is it Duke? No, it's not. No, his <laughs> his first name is Randy. He, his, his name is Randy Johnson. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like he's he's the opposite of like Randy Johnson, you know, that I picture in my head. Yeah. Uh, okay. Back to Golden Tate. Yeah, I, I think he's basically – it's not that he's unrosterable. You just uh, – he you can't start him. So he's basically useless at this point um, because if he goes off, it's going to be on your bench. Yeah, that's really what it's feeling like. It, it, it is unfortunate um, because I think that, you know, Tate was a guy that probably was drafted as a lot of people's – maybe even like second, but I know if like even in my wide receiver heavy teams, third – um, wide receiver off the board and, and now you're not able to play him and I think that if he'd stayed in Detroit we probably would have had a couple of more games where he would have been very yeah. usable yeah let's, let's listen to this 20 targets one rush with the Eagles across three games he has 89 yards that's e. you know <laughs> like on on 21 opportunities 89 yards no touchdowns it's it's pretty bad yeah that is that is bad um Adrian Peterson on Thanksgiving struggled in a game that I thought the the game script was going to work out nicely for him. Unfortunately, he actually gets outscored by Capri Bibbs, who I think has been a pretty solid addition that we talked about before. His The first week after we talked about him, it looked like it may have been a bad call, but Chris Thompson has remained out. Peterson has been solid this season, but managed just 35 yards on 12 carries, did catch two targets to salvage 6.4 points. Uh, but I think that, you know, we, we probably do need to mention him as he was a down spot. Does this change your opinion on Peterson at all i don't think that it's really swayed me in any way yeah so the it hasn't changed my opinion on him and my opinion is that he is uh very dependent on game flow so the games in which uh the redskins have been triumphant uh, he's had good games for the most part and the games in which they've lost uh he's you know for the most part been pretty subpar um the redskins were you know heavy uh underdogs in this game they were on the road um, Dallas's defense is actually pretty good. Uh, I know there was like the idea that with Colt McCoy at quarterback, they would look to run the ball a lot, but that also, I mean, I mean, so that makes sense, but it, you're also trusting a guy who has Colt McCoy as his quarterback. Like you could see how that could not work out. Um, and I think it's going to be another negative situation again on the road, uh, playing Philadelphia, playing a team in the division, as a pre-substantial uh, pre underdog. So, like, my opinion isn't changed. Um, I think when he's in a good situation, he will do well. I think he's in a bad situation this week, and it will continue to be bad uh, for the rest of the season. Fair enough. Moving along, uh, but before we do, I want to remind everybody that you can still head over to Rotoviz and get a 30% listener-only discount 
on your subscription to the site. If you are in the playoff hunt, if you're going to be in the playoffs, we're going to have a lot of information that is going to make a difference for you down the stretch. So that's rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Okay. Um, let's talk about some players that are trending for the positive, uh, as unfortunately there's a couple of names that I'm, I'm excited to get to, uh, just to hear your opinion on, on the opposite side of things. But Philip Lindsay has really, really been, uh, uh, I don't want to say surprise, but I have to say surprise because there was a lot of yeah. signs pointing to him being good this season, but it would have been hard to imagine just how good he has been. I mean, you go back to week six, 12.6 points, 16.6, 20.2, 10.4, 26.6, and then 17 in an offense that hasn't really been too stellar. Um, listen, I think it just speaks to how good of a back he is. Yeah, I mean, it's he's great. The The thing that was always negative about him was, well, I guess threefold. One, um, it looked like there were other players in front of him on the depth chart. So you didn't think he would be likely to get uh, a lot of opportunities. Two, uh, he wasn't drafted. So you're kind of assuming, again, because of that, he's not going to get opportunities. Uh, And then three, he's undersized, right? So you would assume that even if he's a good player, the team isn't going to give him the opportunities that you would expect them to give someone who has like the typical, you know, like, quote unquote, like uh, workhorse size. Um, All of that set aside, he was super productive. Oh, the the dog likes what I'm saying. Uh, He was (laughs) super productive in college. Uh, and he ran like a 4.3240 um, in, in his pre-draft workouts. Like he, he's a serious athlete. It, but this is like if a team decided to make someone who's basically like Danny Woodhead, because that's kind of what he is. If a team decided to make Danny Woodhead their lead runner, like very few teams actually think to do that um, because they want to try to conserve him. And so like I'm still not sure that we could see a guy like this um, be a long-term legitimate lead runner. Um, but like, it is possible. I mean, like that was what work done basically was like, he was, he was, you know, like, I don't know, 5'10, 180 pounds. Like that's basically what Philip Lindsay is. Uh, so yeah, it's been a total surprise. And I would say like, it's been refreshing because like, this is an instance of talent actually winning out. Yeah, you have to love that. And I thought that Royce Freeman was a tremendously talented player right? Um, in, his, in his own right. But I really think things speak to how good of a player Lindsay has been uh, when you look at him really coming out of nowhere. And it is crazy, too. A player that's not much larger than I am is just dominating in some respects. Yeah. Kenny Galladay has clearly, well, there's a couple of things going on here, right? Marvin Jones has been dealing with injuries, and since Golden Tate left, that opened up more opportunity for him. We have seen that extra opportunity manifest into solid outings. His last three games went for 20, 25, and then 14 points against the Bears this past week. We know that Galladay is good. Looking forward to next season, as we're already starting to get to that point where we've covered so much ground this season, I do want to start looking a little bit forward to next year. Galladay, do you see him as having the possibility of a player that could crack into that wide receiver one kind of territory? Is he going to be more of a wide receiver too? That's a good question. Uh, I think he will be one of those receivers that's drafted in the high end wide receiver two category, um, who obviously has wide receiver one potential. 
And I think in each draft, there will always be someone who's pretty high on him, you know, like who's yeah. looking for the breakout, looking at what he's done um, at the end of the season and kind of projecting that over the course of an entire season for the next year. So uh, I think he will, I think people will price him up pretty aggressively, but I don't think he will be quite a wide receiver one. I think like there are enough established wide receivers that everyone will draft ahead of him. But I think he will be like in that next tier. Absolutely. I'm kind of with you there. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see what plays out with him. Now, this is going to be a first. We're going to talk about a player that is currently in the Monday night game, but I can already tell is having what I would consider to be a somewhat surprising performance or that he's now strung this many games together. And that's Johnny Smith. So against Dallas, put up 11.3. That was in week nine. Followed up against New England. 13 and a half against Indy 10.4. And it looks like against Houston tonight, he already has 14.3 points. So that's a touchdown on two targets. Also is 63 yards. Smith was a very talented player. I was expecting tremendous things from him coming out of school. We hadn't really seen things start to come together for him though, uh, until week nine, even with that Delaney Walker injury. Um, I don't know though, Matt. I think we're reaching that point now where some things are clicking for Tennessee and we're kind of kind of seeing Smith assert himself as a player that this offense should be looking to incorporate. Yeah. Um he's always been talented and it always takes tight ends uh at least a year, normally a little longer than that to uh really get into the flow of the NFL. But um yeah, he's super talented. Uh I don't I don't trust that offense enough in general. Um, in terms of the passing game, uh, really to be confident in starting him at all, but he's definitely someone to think about for next season for me. Like he's kind of, he's like on the watch list as someone who could sort of like make that year three jump. I hear you. And, and I should note that despite those point totals, they've been heavily driven by touchdowns. Uh, the target total against Dallas was two scored a touchdown. So that's not really sustainable. Three against New England scored a touchdown, not sustainable. Eight against Indy and then just two targets so far on the Monday night game and one touchdown. So that's probably not sustainable. But I do think it speaks to some of the things that we could expect from him um, heading into next season. Getting to players that have been trending downward, a name that it pains me to bring up, but James White, for as strong as he started, has been slipping compared to the production that he was putting up at the beginning of the season. He's gone from being around, you know, like you very realistically expecting 20 points down into that 7.6 and 8.8 type of range. The Patriots do look like they're trying to establish a running game. They got things going with Sony Michelle over the weekend. I believe he had 130 yards. If you're a James White owner, are you starting to worry that this player that looked like was going to help lead you to the championship might be fading? Mm, no. I mean, it's it's hard um in that uh his recent decline has coincided with the return of Sony Michelle. But I think that there is still enough usage in that backfield, especially because Michelle is a non-entity in the passing game. Um, I think there's enough usage there between the two players for James still uh, for James White still to be someone who gets uh, his production. It's just it's not going to be as consistent. So uh, it does make him riskier uh, to start, but he's still someone like I want on my teams, especially like in deeper leagues. I think. Uh, deeper leagues and PPR leagues. I think if you have him, 
you probably don't have three players at the position who are better than him. Yeah, certainly. And I think that it's just two down games. I still have to imagine, though, that if you're looking at the overall opportunity that a player is going to have, especially in a PPR league, like you said, you're going to be hard pressed to find a player that can really equal that. It would be. I mean, he has he has 94 targets on the season. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, he's the wide receiver one practically in in the Patriots offense. Like, I'm pretty sure that is uh, that's the high for the position. I think he leads the position in uh, receiving, you know, like receiving yards, receptions, targets, uh, maybe even receiving touchdowns. Although not quite. No, I think Kareem Hunt has maybe like seven receiving touchdowns. But like, he's he's up there. and like, as long as you're in a PPR league, I think you kind of don't care if he's basically like functioning as like a slot receiver who lines up in the backfield. Like that's what he is. Um, he's still getting enough uh, carries per game. You know, he has 70 uh, carries on the season, uh, you know, four rushing touchdowns. Like he's still getting enough usage overall to make him worthwhile. Absolutely. Now we've talked about this player before and as i've mentioned in weeks past i'm trying to avoid talking about players week in and week out but there's some players it's hard to avoid how can we not talk about the fact that over the last four weeks on a points per game basis jarvis landry's average of 8.3 is 62 among wide receivers (laughs) yeah i don't know i I, I don't know. Um, it's it's a horrible situation for him because uh, he I don't I don't know. Like I don't think he's really all that talented of a player. Like he's just been like a very volume fueled producer for the entirety of his career, and um, now he has a play caller in Freddie Kitchens who seems to be fine with the idea that he doesn't need to give Landry a lot of targets. So if Landry isn't getting targets and he he like there's a clear shift um, between the target share that he was getting before Hugh Jackson was fired and after if he's not getting his targets, then at this point, you pretty much can't use him. It's a shame. It really is. Uh, But we're too, you know, like we're seeing a lot of explosion from Nick Chubb and they're getting lots of yards in, in chunks, you know, and it's kind yeah. of like a different situation there now too, where they just don't necessarily need to, um, you know, head down the field or make their way down in these small kind of chunks like you were getting from Landry. Yeah. Right. And the thing is like kitchens is like a, a Bruce Arians disciple. Like he's not, I don't know. I mean, I know like Arians used slot receivers pretty heavily, uh, you know, in, in Indianapolis, he moved Reggie Wayne into the slot. He moved Larry Fitzgerald into the slot, but like, I, I don't know. I just think Landry is kind of a different type of receiver. And, uh, I don't know, like Arias was always like a kind of like down the field type of like aggressive play caller. So Landry doesn't really fit into what it is that, uh, I'm, I'm imagining kitchens wants to do on a regular basis. Well, that's certainly what it looks like. And I think that Landry is an extremely talented receiver. He's very good at what he does, but I'm with you in that. What he does does not necessarily align with how this team is looking to achieve their success, which is a bit of a shame because Mayfield actually has been pretty good. A quarterback that has not been that stellar over the last four weeks, Carson Wentz returns this season from the injury, has gone over 20 points a couple of times, looked pretty good against Jacksonville, decent against Dallas, then has a disaster of a game against the Saints and produces just 13 points against the Giants 
over the weekend. Um, is this more an indictment on how we've seen things play out for Philadelphia this season, or is this somewhat uh, just Wentz starting to show his true colors and perhaps he's not quite as good of a fantasy quarterback as we were thinking? I think Wentz is still good. Um, I think it was just a sort of snowball situation in New Orleans, uh, you know, on, on Thursday Night Football. Uh, was it Thursday Night Football? No, it wasn't Thursday Night Football. Anyway, yeah, no. Uh, when 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 stuff really started to, to go uh, poorly for the Eagles in New Orleans, uh, and then against the Giants, you know, like he was fine. Um, he just wasn't super productive. Like he completed seventy one percent of his passes. You know, like he was. He was fine. It just wasn't a good situation. I think overall, um, it's just been, I mean, this is like, hello, Captain Obvious, but it's like, it's been a really bad year for the Eagles. Like, I think offensively worse than people maybe even realize. Like, if you uh, look at their implied totals uh, for each game, there have been 11 games for the season. Uh, They've hit their implied total in only two of those 11 games. Like, that's that's the worst mark in the league. You know, so relative to um, expectations, like relative to how everyone thought this team would perform entering the season, they've been the worst team in the league. So uh, like in in a vacuum, they're probably about average, but relative to like the draft capital that everyone invested in their players and, you know, relative like on a week to week basis to how people think this team should perform, they've really underperformed offensively. Is Le'Veon Bell heading to Philadelphia next season? That would be interesting. Uh, I hope so. Uh, honestly, like, what do you think the odds are that he never plays again? They're actually decent. I, I would put them maybe at like 20%. Uh, I think that's, yeah. See, I don't know. I think that's high, but uh, I, it's definitely not zero. Which, you know, like is uh, really horrible for everyone who owns him in Dynasty. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'd maybe put it closer to five, closer to 10. I don't know. But like there, he has non-zero odds that he never plays again. So uh, yeah, if he happened to play in Philadelphia, I think that would be uh, probably, I don't know if I'd say best case scenario for him, but uh, it, it might be because I think he would have a decent play caller. Um, and I think he, he would be in a, a system that has like a good offensive line. Um, there are a lot worse places he could go. Yeah. And and, all right. Yeah, you're right. 20% is way too high. Maybe it's closer to 10, but I've, I think it would be the funnest thing if the Patriots, which this obviously would never happen, (laughs) signed Le'Veon Bell. And then basically you have him and James White together on the field. You put them in motion, move them into, uh, you know, into receiving positions, switch them. Who's going to run the ball? I think that that would be really tough for defenses to defend. Yeah. I mean, they, gosh, that would be like such a Belichick trolling the analytics community type <laughs> of thing to where it's like last year, I spent a first round pick on a, a running back who right. can't catch the ball. And now we're going to give millions to like a, a guy who could be a wide receiver, but we're playing him at running back because Corderell Patterson wasn't enough for us. <laughs> so anyways, I, w- I would love that. Obviously, though, that is something that is going to be discussed at length in the offseason. Sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games. Guys, you've heard us talking about this for weeks, and some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. 
If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay, pick three teams to win. And if you hit all three, you could turn $100 into $600. NBA is in full swing right now. Hockey, primetime fights, and more. The NBA playoffs I'm already looking forward to betting on my bookie as I find that to be my spot in my betting world. We recommend these guys because we really trust them. My bookie has been in business for years. They've got great online reviews. Their mobile site is easy to use. And if you're on the sidelines, now is the time to get in the game. Log on to my bookie right now and get some of the best deposit bonuses in the business using the promo code RotoViz. Again, that's RotoViz. My bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Okay, Matt, looking ahead now to week 13, a game that really pops out for me as I start looking through this list is Vikings-Patriots. Um, the Vikings recently victorious against the Packers. The Packers have been a little bit down. I think that this game lacks some of the luster it may have had going into the season, but nonetheless, a lot of interesting fantasy players in this one. Yeah. Um, I agree. I'm looking at the slate of games right now. Yep. Um, there are a lot of uh, lines that aren't up on the board yet because there's uncertainty about uh, quarterback situations. Yep. Um, you know, so I don't know. There's there are some interesting games, but uh, I don't know. Not it's not it's not the greatest slate of games. Yeah, it really isn't. I do think, though, that uh, the Steelers-Chargers game, which is the Sunday nighter, so as we would expect, that's going to be interesting, uh, especially with Phillip Rivers coming off of that performance. We're going to see how that team can function without Melvin Gordon in there, and then naturally you have Big Ben and all of those names on the Steelers' side of the ball. Outside of that game, I think that the most exciting... Yeah, it's not the most exciting slate. I mean, Rams, Rams, Lions will be interesting, um, basically just because of the Rams, um, and maybe the Lions will do better offensively. Um, obviously, the Chiefs, um, you know, high scoring game with them, uh, but that could be like a massive blowout. Um, no team has been favored by as much on the road as the Chiefs uh, are right now. Um, they're favored wow. by fifth. They're favored by fifteen. That and I think that line will probably go up. Uh, and and Panthers and Buccaneers is interesting. Um, a super high total right now of fifty six and a half. 
uh, although I could see that going down. Um, but you know, I don't know. It, it's hard to know like how those it's a divisional game. It's the second time this year they've played each other. Um, you know, it's being played outside. And so, you know, weather's starting to get colder. So like you just, you kind of never know in a situation like that. Um, but that is a game that I, th- I think could be intriguing, but, um, yeah, not a lot of, uh, like high powered matchups this late, although Chargers Steelers on Sunday night should be a good game. And, you know, that's obviously why it was flexed into Sunday night football. For sure. Uh, so as listeners may have noticed, we've kind of jumped around a little bit. We skipped a couple of sections uh, as I did not have as much time as I would have liked to have put together tonight's outline. But there is one thing I want to make sure that we don't skip. Granted, <laughs> you you thought you were off the hook, Matt. Granted, I have no idea how you could really have anything too notable for us. Give us some of Friedman's waiver priorities. Um, I have no waiver priorities. Uh, let me look here. I mean, there's, there's no one, there's no one left. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like Gus Edwards is gone. Like there's, there's no one at running back. Um, you can maybe pick up, I don't Here's a question. Like, what sure. do you think of Adam Humphreys? Um, you know, like he's someone who is starting to get used more and more in the slot and he does have very good, uh, Jameis Winston splits. Yep. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's going against, you know, San Francisco, which is, uh, oh, sorry. He's coming off of the game against San Francisco, but like, um, he's, you know, in a high scoring, uh, game this upcoming week. Like, I don't know. What do you think? Well, over the last four weeks, Humphreys is 18th among wide receivers with points per game at 17.2. If we look back through that stretch, the targets haven't been too high, 8, 3, 5, and 6. So you're probably only expecting around like five targets. Having said that, though, um, th- like you mentioned, the splits have been pretty good with Winston. If he's available, I don't see any reason not to try to shuffle him into your lineup just because I think that there's a baseline level of production that you might get from him that you're probably not going to see from other players. And again, since week eight, I'll just read off the point totals that he's produced. 14.6, 20 7.3, 15, 17.4. And a lot of teams, I feel like that actually would be a starter. And though it might feel crazy to roll out a guy like Humphreys, when you look at the talent around him on that team, we've seen that that hasn't necessarily precluded him from being a fantasy contributor. So I think if Humphreys is available, I don't hate adding him. I'm not really sure though what the ownership percentage would be in maybe your you know standard league with 16 man rosters and in, in, in 10 or 12 teams yeah like right now in yahoo leagues he's owned at 30 percent. so like he's he's out there um but i'm just looking at, at waivers like it's it's pretty bleak um there's no one out there that i would really think of as someone i would want to start like i would feel comfortable starting you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's it's the dead point of the season. It, and it makes sense. It's week 13. Like, this is the last week before a lot of people go to the playoffs. Like, what whoever you have on your team, like, that's your team at this point. Absolutely. And this is why we've talked about it before of there's definitely points in the season. You need to monitor this as the season moves along and that potential pool of players that are going to be usable strengths that you have to start using your fab aggressively. And last week, I think we mentioned it really was the week that there was the Gus Edwards out there. You had to go after him. Uh, So hopefully people took that recommendation and used their fab. And if not, you learned your lesson from this season that 
you can only save so much for the end. And by the time you get to around week 13, it's very, very rare, barring a huge injury, that you're going to find a player that's going to be worth um, not only adding to your team, but if you've saved like 800 out of $1,000, finding a player that's going to be, um, that you're going to need that $800 to spend on is going to be pretty rare. So uh, that brings me to a question for you though, Matt. I've been debating whether or not for the final um, episodes in season of this year, we kind of shift up the format because we've been looking at players trending up, trending down and whatnot. If we should kind of shift this more for helping teams that are going to be in the playoffs, maybe looking at players that we would start or something like that. Any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm always fine for whatever format. Okay. So I will give that some thought. If anybody out there listening has any suggestions of what we could do that would be helpful, please feel free to let us know. Uh, shoot me a message on Twitter at Dave Cabin FF and let me know what we could do to help you before we let Matt out of here. Matt, I want to ask, do you have any hidden talents? <laughs> do I have any hidden talents? Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't even know, um, where I would go with that. I, I like eating food, but that's not really a talent. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think that uh, is a talent. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, like. So this is, I'm going to take your question and uh, change it a little bit. Um, Okay. So you know how like when you're younger, you kind of diversify your talents. Yep. You know, like you do some things in sports, you do some things in music or you do like whatever it is. You have like different interests and you, uh, you know, kind of like invest your time into these things. And then as you get older, you kind of consolidate the uh the efforts that used to go into these other things into like your one main thing right right so like that's sort of i think what i've what i've done with my life with fantasy sports and like sports analysis uh so i don't have any hidden talents because i just put everything into my job you know what i mean and that is something that we should all aspire to. Unfortunately, for the oh, I think it's probably unhealthy. Really, you do, but but it's it's what I do. I mean, yeah, I don't know. In what regard I mean, do you think it's unhealthy? Well, I mean, it means that I'm probably like less well-rounded. You know, like there are other people who are like into like woodworking. You know, like that's their like side hobby or like whatever yeah. it is. You know, like you know, there are other people who have like other interest. So you talk to them and they're actually like interesting people who know things about just other things in the world. You know, you talk to me, uh, no one wants to talk to me because I know nothing about anything except sports, you know, and, and no one wants to talk to someone else who knows stuff about sports, especially if it's someone who's like, well, actually, um, what you think about sports is wrong. <laughs> I can completely understand that. Although I would, I would counter with this, right? Like I think from doing all of the fantasy stuff, it has made me a smarter person in a lot of respects. It's probably made me more logical, able to frame an argument better, dissect something from both sides a little bit more. So I would say that you've probably developed skills that would permeate into a conversation and being an interesting person that's able to kind of analyze the context of whatever dialogue you're in and be a better participant that way. I think couple that with your prior background from school. I think you're probably a fairly interesting person. And this is interesting given that article that you wrote uh, in the summer on the action network, I actually have asked to name some of the more interesting people that I know 
think that I would have said Matthew Friedman. So this is this is interesting. <laughs> I mean, like I I mean, but the question of like hidden talents, like I I don't think I have like really anything that's hidden. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I I think like however I present myself, like that's that's what All I right. am. Well, do I need to change the word hidden to unknown? Do you have any unknown talents? Something no, that people would not expect. That's a good question. Uh, no, I mean, I used to be, it's, it's been, I'd say like over a decade since I played like a musical instrument, right. but I used to be pretty good at guitar. Okay. There that we was, go. That was like high school. Yep. You know what I mean? Like it's so like, I would say like, I, that's not really like a talent anymore. Um, because like I haven't done it in over a decade. Okay. All right. See, so I'm, I'm going to bring something to the, t- to the table here. So if somebody asked me that a couple of years ago i may not have been able to answer but i've discovered what one of my hidden talents would be i am insanely good at crane games so you know like you're at like an arcade and they have all the animals and you have to drop the crane down to get them and they're they're more or less rigged so they're supposed to be on people i actually am insanely good at those my daughter is going to be um two in february which puts her now at uh, what is that like 20 so she's right now somewhere between 20 and 21 months i've already won her six things from cranes one of being a huge stuffed alpaca she's obsessed with alpacas i won this thing on the first try so that's my hidden you talent. are like the king of dads i know that's what it that. feels like honestly we went on vacation and we were at this uh place called great wolf lodge and it's like an indoor water park and they have arcades and all kinds of stuff for kids and there's all of these dads around trying to win their kids things and I'm just like pulling animals out of the crane and giving them to, to Elise. So the key thing here, though, there's an interesting, an interesting thing. You know, it's like when you're betting, it's not so much the volume of bets that you're making. It's about picking the right spots. That is a yeah. key piece of playing the crane games, right? You can only, you have to recognize that there's only certain animals you can get. So you kind of have to go along the lines of when other people have dropped their crane in and failed and kind of redistributed the the lay of the land with the animals. There might only be two or three that are laying on top of the rest of the animals in a way that you can get them. So you have to pick your spot very wisely. Another common mistake too, is that you see people picking them up in areas that don't make sense or not spending enough time watching the crane, right? So most cranes are kind of rigged in some sense. So they only give you so much time. So you have to identify where you're picking up the animal so that when it drops it prematurely, the gravity is going to have it hit the little like barricade down to where you can pull the animal out at the right time. There's a lot to it, but, um, anyway, that's that, that, that is what I would say my hidden talent is. Yeah. So you have great, uh, hand eye crane coordination. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, so a couple of things. One, I feel like you asked this question just so you could talk about your skill at the crane game, which uh, I totally appreciate. Um, I, if I had your skill, uh, playing the crane game, <laughs> I would talk about it all the time. Um, one thing, uh, this made me think of, yep. um, this will sound incredibly self aggrandizing and it's probably false, but I think I give good life advice. Okay. Like, that's I, perfect. I, I think that's perfect. I think that's one thing, uh, by the way, don't, don't ever ask me, uh, for advice about your life. Um, just, saying that okay. but uh no i i think i think I, I give pretty decent life advice that doesn't mean that people always follow it um you know to their demise right um but no i i think i i think i'm i'm generally pretty good at uh 
like observing situations and seeing what people could do to do things better, <laughs> like to, to fix whatever it like is a flaw in their process, which it's, it sounds like incredibly, uh, I don't know, like arrogant probably to, to say mm-hmm. that, but like, I, I don't know. I think, I think that's actually something that's like a, a skill that I have. Um, a couple of things. One, I didn't necessarily bring it up so I could talk about it, but that was something that occurred to me because I heard people talking about that a couple of days ago when I realized that I had one, I thought that you might have an interesting one. Uh, I think that that's fair. I don't think it sounds maybe as pretentious or whatever adjective you want to describe to it as you might think, because I do think that, again, a lot of the things that you're doing um, in the things that you're interested in might help you to just kind of think critically and kind of look at and frame something from all of the different angles. And um, I know you said not to, but perhaps at some point I will ask you for some life advice, Matt. We, we just might find out. God help you. <laughs> so I think if, if I am the person you are coming to for life advice, you need more than my advice. Oh boy. <laughs> all right. I, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Um, Anyways, that's going to do it for today's episode. Once again, I'm Dave Cabin. You can follow me on Twitter at Dave Cabin FF. My co-host was Matthew Friedman, who you can follow at Matt F. The Oracle. Don't forget to call into 978-925-7628 to ask Matt for your life advice. That actually would make a great episode. That really oh, would great off-season episode. Oh. 978-925-7628. You can ask both of us for some life advice if you want. And another thing that I've been thinking about, I want to do one episode that's just called like the rant episode where you recount to us your worst beats of the season, anything that you're just upset about. And that will just be a fun um, episode maybe to do in that January, February timeframe before the draft, uh, you know, when things are winding down in the season, I'd like to do that. So again, 978-925-7628. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review and be sure to tune in next week. And remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. Thank you for listening to RotoViz Radio. Please rate, review, and contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at RotoViz Radio and support the pod by subscribing to RotoViz at a 30% discount through the listener homepage at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.